Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this thing to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. When we read Scripture, studying stories of ancient men and women who spent their lives walking with God, we do so with a few different purposes. The most obvious one is to become more familiar with the Bible. If we believe that it's the inspired Word of God, and if we believe that it's true, then we can easily conclude that it's worth our time to learn what it contains. A secondary reason that's tied to that first one is that reading the whole Bible rather than, say, just the Gospels or even just the New Testament helps us to better understand the Gospel of Jesus Christ, which is, after all, the center of our faith. If you know the story of Moses, for example, then you can see how Jesus did the same sorts of things as him, but to a higher degree. More miracles, a more complete teaching delivered from a mountaintop, that sort of thing. And third, reading about God helps us to better know and to be in relationship with him. But all of those reasons to read, for as wonderful as they are, are external, outside of ourselves and our lives, which is why the fourth reason is so important. When we read scripture, we're looking to godly people who've gone before, opening ourselves to the ways that their experiences then can shape our lives now, and allowing the Holy Spirit to change us so that we too can walk in holiness. That's a lot, so I'll say it in a slightly different way. We learn how God worked within the people mentioned in Scripture so that we can see how God can work and is working within us now. Today is the first Sunday of the new year. And for many of us, the beginning of a new year is an opportunity to reflect on how things have gone over the past year or the past few years and to consider what we hope things will be like in the coming year. Though today isn't qualitatively different from last Sunday, there's something about the beginning of a new calendar year that makes us think about change. As Christians, we're called to keep our hearts and minds and eyes fixed on God as we do so, striving to ensure that the goals we set and the resolutions that we make align with God's will for us and for the world. If you're the sort of person who pays attention to the church calendar, you may also know that today is Epiphany of Our Lord's Sunday, in which we celebrate the Epiphany, or the moment in which Jesus' full nature as the Son of God was revealed. Now, a lot of times what you'll hear on Epiphany Sunday is uh, the story of the three wise men or the magi coming. But one of the other stories that's associated with it is this one of Jesus being baptized in the River Jordan. This is a critical moment in the gospel story, one that sits alongside 
the transfiguration or the confession of Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because it's one of those moments where the work that God was doing became clear to those who were around to see it. So we have these two things to think about this Sunday. How to best live faithfully in this coming year and how God's will was seen in the Gospels. And we're tasked with figuring out how the latter can shape the former. Think about what I said before. We read about how the nature of Christ was revealed at Epiphany and the moments leading up to his baptism, and we consider how God might be revealing Christ to us now. In our scripture this morning, we find John the Baptist meeting Jesus for the first time and giving what would seem to be the most appropriate response, humility and reverence. Before this, John had been making waves among the people of Israel, calling people to repentance and baptizing them in the River Jordan. If nothing else, this strange prophet who wore camel hair clothing and ate locusts was a popular attraction in the days long before anyone even knew how to read, drawing crowds of people from all around who came to see and hear and maybe even be changed by this man. He was so interesting and so powerful a speaker that rumors began to spread that he was actually the prophet Elijah returned to the earth, which was incredibly high praise from the people of Israel. And what's more, some of the Israelites even took it a step farther and began to wonder if maybe John was the Messiah that they'd been waiting for, despite John's adamant insistence that that was not the case. The Israelites were expecting God to work, but they were expecting a spectacle. They were expecting someone strange and fascinating, perhaps someone like John. The truth is, like the Israelites awaiting the coming Christ, we don't always recognize God's plans. They often come in unexpected ways. The people wanted a warrior king or a prophet to call down God's wrath on their occupiers. But we saw during Christmas that instead of that, they got a little child. Even John, a holy man, was expecting Jesus to arrive with power and might to immediately claim his place of primacy and begin his reign. But instead, he was asked to baptize the one that he'd been prepared to bow down before. And what about us? How do we expect Jesus to come into our lives? You hear powerful conversion stories, people talking about the terrible places they've fallen or the lives of sin that they were trapped in. And those can be some truly truly amazing stories. It's impossible to deny that Jesus can and does work in amazing ways. I'm so thankful for the people who've been saved from those depths by the work of Christ, and I hope that we as the people of God can continue to listen to their stories and rejoice in them. But when we focus on those sorts of conversion stories exclusively, I can't help but think that we're missing something big. To speak for myself just for a moment, just to illustrate what I mean, I've not, I'm not a person who's ever struggled with addiction. I don't have a story like that. I've lived, as far as I know, as a mostly well-behaved, amicable, and probably slightly boring person. Does that mean that Jesus hasn't had the opportunity to work in me? I hope not. 
I hope that that's not the case. To be saved by Christ, after all, doesn't require that we have a dramatic conversion story because salvation isn't about that at all. Jesus can use rock bottom, and he often does, but he doesn't need our lives to fall completely apart before he can lift us up. Wherever we are, wherever you are today, Jesus can and will work there in that place. But even believing that Jesus can work in your life today doesn't make accepting that work an easy thing. Consider how Jesus called on people through the Gospels. He told fishermen to leave behind their boats and nets and immediately follow him. He told a rich man that being a disciple would involve selling everything that he'd worked for and giving it to the poor. Jesus never called people to do things that were easy or pleasant. And he certainly never invited people to stay the same. To follow Christ involved more than just being a little nicer or reading a little bit more of Scripture. It involved a real and difficult and often unpleasant change. So why should we expect anything different from us? As we look for God's plans in our lives, even if we're ready to be surprised by them, we have to consider that perhaps we're not seeing them unfold because we don't always want to see them. In our humanity, we're prone to become willfully blind to God's work because to accept it generally means losing our own ambitions and desires. In John 3.30, the Baptist says, He must become greater and I must become less. That's a hard teaching, maybe for many of us one of the hardest, but it's absolutely critical if we're going to pursue lives of faith. God has to be the end point, the focus above all else, no matter how strongly we want otherwise. If we're going to hear God's plans, we have to be willing to trust them even when they go against our own because God's plans have to be the foundation of our own. Let's go back for a moment to how we started this morning with the reasons that we read Scripture. I did mention that one of the reasons to read the Bible was so that we could be familiar with its contents. That's, in my opinion, kind of the most boring reason to read Scripture, but it's still an important one. And it becomes even more important when you understand that Scripture is full of promises made by God to his people. This is why we read the verses from Malachi this morning. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me, Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. It's clear to us that John the Baptist came to prepare the way before Jesus, convincing people of their need for repentance so that they would be ready to hear when Christ offered new life. John himself said that was his purpose, and this was a promise that God had made to his people. This is another reason we can't always see God's work, because we become so fixated on where we are now that we forget what God said back then. We forget the prophets and the apostles that came before us, the people chosen by God to write his story down And we forget the promises that he made. The Bible is amazing. It tells us so much 
about how God has worked and what he has planned. And all we have to do is read it to find out. You know, the Israelites forgot this promise that was fulfilled by John. I have to wonder, what are we forgetting? What do we forget? But John did know the promises, and so when he encountered Jesus, he immediately subjected himself to Jesus' power and asks that he be baptized. This is one of those funny moments in the Gospels, and there's a lot of them, where someone does something that seems perfectly reasonable, completely correct, yet in doing so find themselves ignoring God and completely missing the point. Like I said, John knew the promises, and he was walking by faith in preparation for Jesus, yet in this moment, in this moment he becomes proof of how difficult it can be for us to understand God's plans. Consider that John recognized Jesus immediately, yet was caught completely off guard when Jesus asked to be baptized. In that moment, he knew that God was working and he knew that he was in the middle of something amazing. But even that recognition wasn't enough to overcome his limited understanding. And who can blame him? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we only see God as though through a dim lens or like a cloudy reflection in a mirror. And the fact that John the Baptist recognized Jesus at all is somewhat amazing when you consider how hard it is for people throughout Scripture to recognize God. Even the apostles didn't recognize Jesus after his resurrection. For so, so for John to know him before the two of them had ever met, it's kind of astonishing. And in his lack of understanding, John actually makes an attempt to change Jesus' mind. After waiting his whole life for Jesus, heralding his arrival and preparing everyone who would listen, the first thing that John does when he finally meets his Savior is to argue with him. You want me to baptize you? No, no, that can't be right. You must have meant that you want to baptize me. Yet without understanding, maybe without even beginning to understand, John decides to obey Jesus and baptize him. Friends, I ask, do we need to understand God to be a part of his work? Do we need to fully understand what God is doing to be impacted by it? I certainly hope not because that would leave us without much hope because who can really understand God fully? The truth is that our God reveals his plans at his pleasure and at his discretion and that we're called to walk by faith rather than lean on our own understanding. There have been plenty of people throughout history that have tried to rationalize and explain all aspects of the Christian faith, saying things like, Jesus didn't really turn water into wine. Maybe that was just a metaphor for how we can be changed. Or probably the worst offender, uh, something that was popular a few decades ago, perhaps Jesus was resurrected in the sense that uh, his disciples' preaching kept his memory alive. How strongly people want to limit God so that they can understand. But when you step back from the idol of complete understanding, you can see that Christianity is built upon belief in the God who works miracles, who created everything from nothing, who healed the sick and brought sight to the blind. And then you can see that the same God has promised you a new life that extends into eternity. 
John trusted in the Lord and he obeyed without understanding, and that was because he had faith. So ultimately, like John, we have to be prepared for the fact that God may do something unexpected. We have to be prepared to accept that we won't fully understand the Lord's plans. And then we have to be prepared to trust in them anyway. Just look at what happened when John trusted Jesus. What seemed to be just another misunderstanding, a minor miscommunication, which would lead to just another baptism, significant but not earth-shaking, instead led to the skies opening and the world hearing God's voice. God revealed himself when John obeyed. And finally, after confusion and resistance, John could see how he fit into the plan. It's always interesting for me, anyway, to listen to people who've made big impacts on the people around them to figure out how they got to where they are. I was listening to a podcast the other day where a pastor was being interviewed about his rural-slash-suburban North Carolina church. Since he planted it 10 years before, it had grown to about 3,500 members, and yet it maintained a clear emphasis on both those struggling with addiction and also young families in the area. Now, that's a pretty big church by any standard, but what was most interesting to me wasn't his conversations about how it all worked, wasn't his conversations about what they did to uh, encourage growth, but rather, what was most interesting was how he talked about the decision to start it. He'd been living in California with his family, and he'd been reading about the growing crisis of addiction throughout the Midwest and the South. And as he read, he felt called to go and work in struggling communities. He had no intention of creating a megachurch. Honestly, he probably didn't even have an intention to create a conventional church at all. Rather, he felt like God was calling him to share the love of Jesus with people who'd been mostly forgotten and left without hope. And so he went. You know, it's true that there are people who begin with the intention of doing something big, of becoming recognized. Some people have ambitions to grow, to be well-known or to be noticed by people beyond their communities. But there are an amazing number of people who are doing a lot to further the kingdom of God who just started out by wanting to trust in the Lord and though their calling was intimidating to follow him. And those people have done some really, truly amazing things. When John obeyed God, God revealed his plan for Jesus and for the world and then he announced his work. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. For the rest of his life, Jesus would be divisive and his identity a point of contention, yet God had announced it right at the beginning, right then, that Jesus was his son. And he made it clear, too, that the promise made to Malachi was being fulfilled. So today and throughout this new year, as you make your plans and think about your resolutions and goals, Be looking for what God is doing in your life. Look with eyes ready to be surprised because God works in unexpected ways. And look with a heart of faith that can trust even without understanding. 
And then look with the courage to act. Because when you walk by faith, you can participate in the work of the Lord. Amen.